0: So great to have you guys here. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for joining us today. This is your first time at Church Church Unlimited. We're so glad to have you here. Let's also say hello to our God Behind Bars guys. Thanks for being a part of our services today. We now have over a thousand men watching us in the prisons. That's really exciting. So thanks, guys. Thanks for bringing your friends. They actually invite their friends too, and so I think that's really cool that they get to invite their friends to their church. And I, I just, I love hearing about that. It's so real, just so cool what God's doing, and God's moving powerfully even behind bars. Let's say our mission statement together, real quick. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. Again, thanks again for coming to Church Unlimited today. Thank you for joining us. And today, we're continuing to talk about relationship reset. Because the truth is, is that we all need to understand that there are moments when you just have to get a refresh, a restart, a reset. And so today I want to jump into something that's not as easy to talk about. We're talking about how to protect your marriage because we want your marriage to go the distance. I heard about this couple, they've been married 50 years. They were going to celebrate the 50th. And so the husband turned to the wife and said, honey, it's our 50th. What do you want to do for our 50th? She said, I think we should go upstairs, run upstairs and make love. He said, which one, run upstairs or make love? We don't have the energy for both. So, you know, I really want to encourage you that God wants you to go the distance. God it is God's desire in your relationships that you fall in love, get married and stay happily married for life. That's the way God designed it to be. That's what he wants for you. And I I have to tell you, I have a little bit of expertise in this because I happen to be very close to my parents who have been married for 50 years this last year. How exciting is that? Got some pictures here. Look at that right there. Wow, Dad, you got yourself a babe right there. Isn't that great? I love that. And so, you know what? It's possible. I've I've had the privilege of seeing my parents do this successfully for 50-plus years. Mom and Dad, will you stand real quick? I just want to honor you and tell you how much I love you, how grateful I am for for the the two of you, 50 years of marriage. Isn't that great? So grateful for them. And uh, this is really fun. But my wife and I, we're just a few months away, baby, from our 25th year. Can you believe that? We got married when we were 10. So that's... uh, 25 years. I can't believe that. That's just so crazy to me. And so, you know, I I just really believe in longevity. I really believe that God wants you to go the distance in your marriage. He really does. And so how do you do that? Well, first of all, you need to know something. Let me tell you something. When you're dating, when you're dating, opposites attract. But when you get married, opposites attack. Right? It's true, isn't it? So let's just do a little informal survey right now. And so let me just ask you this question. Okay, so which one of you is always on time? Raise your hand you're always on time. Okay, awesome. Glad you're here. Some of you are in the back. Would you have to get here early to get in the back seat? I don't understand. Now, which one of you, when it comes to being on time, are more creative? In other words, you're late. Raise your hand if you're always late. Yep, yep. Okay, yep, okay. Now, okay, which one of you is the spender? Which one of you is the spender in the relationship? Ushers, please pay attention. We want to make sure the offering bucket goes by each one of these people today. Okay, now which one of you is the saver? Raise your hand if you're the saver. Okay, now raise your hand if you're both spenders. Raise your hand if you're both spenders, okay? We need all of our car salesmen to know where these people are sitting. Now if you're both savers, hold your hand up. If you're both savers, I want to be in your will. Can I be in your will, please? Thank you very much. Okay, so most of the time we're we're opposite, though. And so which one of you uh, as a couple likes to go out? You you get cabin fever, you always want to go out. Raise your hand. Okay, and which one of you likes to stay home? Hold your hand up if you like to stay home all the time, right? Yes, I see all those hands at our online campus. Thank you for being at home watching us right now. (laughs) We are different people, though, aren't we? It's true that we're different, but it's okay to be different. We have to learn to celebrate our differences rather than just tolerate our differences. Because here's the truth. If two people are exactly the same, one is unnecessary. So God has designed you to be different. It's a healthy thing. It's a strong thing. It's a positive thing to be different. So as I unpack these three things, we're going to talk about how actually sometimes our differences can drive us crazy. This is why people oftentimes divorce. They say we're just incompatible, right? This is what people say when they get divorced. But the truth is that marriage is the art of two incompatible people choosing to be compatible okay? We are all basically incompatible, which is a way of saying, why can't you be more like me? I keep telling my wife, honey, if you'll just be like me, we'll get along great, (laughs) right? Don't we all want to do that? Like, if, if I could just convince my spouse to be just like me, but the truth is, is that they're not supposed to be just like you. They're supposed to be unique to you, and the two become one, and you celebrate the differences rather than tolerating the differences. I want to give you three principles today to help you protect your marriage. And you may say, I'm still single pastor, I don't even need this. But actually you do need this now so that you can set it up from the very beginning when you're dating or when you you meet someone, start dating them, whether you're already dating someone and falling in love, whether you're already engaged or newly married or you've been married for years. We have to learn to protect our Relationship, right? And so, how do you do that? Let me show you some scripture, and I want to I read a verse today. The very first verse is probably the most, one of the most controversial verses in all the Bible, but it shouldn't be. It doesn't have to be controversial at all, but I want to unpack this. Now, before I go any further, though, as you're talking about divorce proofing your marriage and so forth, I want to say openly to those who you may say, Pastor, this is really tough for me to even talk about this because I'm already divorced. I mean, it's already happened for me. Whether you have been divorced, whether you've been married three or four times, Here's my goal for you. The Bible is very clear on this. My goal for you is that the next one is the final one. And that you stay married the rest of your life. If you maybe, you say, well, I'm already divorced, but I'm remarried, then let's make this one last. Does that make sense? And so listen, there's this beautiful thing called God's grace. God says in the word, he hates divorce. He never says he hates people that got divorced. He hates divorce. You know why he hates divorce? Because he knows how much it hurts you. Because he knows the damage it does to you and to your kids. That's why he hates divorce. He doesn't hate you He hates divorce. Does that make sense? He also hates gossip. Why? Because he knows what gossip does to people, right? And so it doesn't mean he hates you. So please, can we just right now uh, across all of our campuses, just remove the scarlet letter D from our chest right now and say, you know what? God has forgiven me. God gives me a fresh start. God gives me a new chance. The Bible says his mercies are new every day. So you don't need to feel guilty about your past. Every one of us has a past okay? And so we are free in Christ from all the things we have done previously. Can someone give God a hand for what he has done for us at the cross, right? It's a good thing. Okay, so let's look at that in light of that. Let's look at Matthew chapter 19 verse 3. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. They asked Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So God's intention is for you to be married your entire life. That is God's plan. So the very first thing you need to know is that divorce should not be a word in your vocabulary. It should never be said in the heat of the moment if you say, oh, why don't we just get a divorce? Maybe we should just end this whole thing. It's time to hit the reset button. It's time to say, you know what? That is not God's plan for our relationship, and so let's take the option off of the table. Does that make sense? We need to remove it, because if you have it as an option, it'll always be the easy way out. But the truth is, it's not easy, and anyone who's been through a divorce can tell you it's not easy. And so I want to encourage you that, let's take that off the table completely. And let me tell you why. Please write this down. Marriage is a covenant. So number one is never give up on your marriage. Never give up on your marriage. And why? Because marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Now a contract is based on mutual distrust. Okay? I'm well aware of contracts. I have a lot of contracts in my life. I bet you do too. We have some rental properties. And everyone who moves into our rental properties has to sign a contract. Why? I don't know you and I don't trust you. And if you treat that place badly, I'm kicking you out. And they sign the contract saying, I don't know you and I don't trust you and you're not going to raise the rent. So I mean, you're going to give me a safe place and everything's to be in working order or I'm going to move out. Right? So the whole relationship is contractual in nature built upon distrust. If you treat your marriage like that, of course it's going to end a divorce because you will always at some point in your marriage feel like they're not keeping their end of the deal, but it's not a deal. That's contractual language. It's actually a covenant. So what is a covenant? A covenant is based upon mutual commitment. And so a contract, listen, a contract limits my responsibilities and increases my rights. But the covenant is a permanent relationship. So let me just break down what a covenant actually means because that's the word that's used when you get married, you're in a covenant relationship, okay? The word covenant is a Hebrew word that that the word for it is bereaf, say bereaf. Bereef means a cutting. It means a cutting. So this is what, what Hebrew weddings look like, which are very different than our weddings today, right? We have this beautiful white dress, whether it's deserved or not, right? We have, <laughs> right, you got the tuxedo. You've got all this, you know, pomp and circumstance. you got the preacher up there. You got, I mean, it's just, it's this whole thing, right? And you make really nice, big dinner afterwards, big party. You know, normally there's dancing and it's a lot of fun and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot of fun. I've been to lots of weddings. I've done lots of weddings. You know, they're great, right? Hebrew weddings are very different. They would also have the big party and all that, but guess what? They would take, they would take a bull and they would literally cut, and this is be a little gross, they would cut the bull in half completely. Okay, so they would sever it in half, take both parts of the bull and separate them, and then the covenant was that you would walk through the blood of the bull and you would say, may it happen to me what has happened to this bull if I do not keep my commitment. Wow. That's next level, isn't it? I mean, that's serious stuff. None of this like, well, you know, we're not that compatible. No, 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 no. We walk to the bull, man. We're in this, right? We are in this for good, right? This is no bull, all right? We're in this. We're going to stay committed to this thing. We're, we're, we're in this for life. That's the way God wants it to be. And, and here's the truth. Here's the truth. I, I love Andy Stanley he said this one time. It's brilliant. He said, you can't un-one what God made one. Did you catch that? You can't un-one what God made one. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, she's already passed away in, with the Lord. You know, you know, Billy Graham passed away this week. He was an incredible godly man. The world lost probably the greatest evangelist of modern times since the Apostle Paul. I mean, he's an incredible man of God. And Young people, if you don't know anything about him, please go look something up and read on him. He, he, he was a brilliant man, incredible. And uh, just, just go back and look at some of the early films. He was such a good-looking guy, charismatic speaker, just phenomenal, gifted. I mean, Joel Osteen uh, has nothing on Billy Graham. I mean, I'm just telling you, and, I, and I, lo- I have mad respect for Joel. I love Joel. But Billy Graham was the original. The guy was amazing. Please look at Again, if, you, if you're like, I don't know who that is, that's because he died at 99 Uh, But, I mean, he was doing crusades all the way up into his 80s. And uh, I think he did a crusade even in his 90s. And so incredible man of God. So anyways, but Ruth Graham said this one time, she was a really funny lady, by the way. Billy regretted that he would travel so much that he did not at times prioritize his marriage like he wanted to. And so he regrets that. He actually said that later in his life. He's like, I love my wife. We were always faithful to each other, but I really should have made more time to come home in between crusades. Cause he traveled the world over. I mean, he was personal friends with all the presidents, all the living presidents, and even since Kennedy, even but the ones that passed away, he knew them all and was friends with all of them. It's was crazy. Uh, but, but Billy Graham would go up to six months without seeing his wife and kids because he would be on these huge crusades. And so one time they asked Ruth Graham, they said, did you ever consider divorcing Billy? She said, divorce never, murder several times. <laughs> Where are my ladies at, right? Yes, you can relate to that. I love that. I thought that was just hilarious, but you know. But well, let me just say this real quick before we talk about never giving up. You know, the funny thing about never giving up in your marriage, it, it's funny because this is the most sacred covenant relationship we have And we are more committed, oftentimes, to things that aren't sacred. Like, I've never heard anyone say, you know, I'm just tired of working. I'm just not going to work anymore. I mean, unless you have, like, a fat retirement, that's not really a possibility, is it? you got to keep working. I don't see anybody writing a letter to the IRS and saying, you know, I'm just tired of these taxes. I'm just done. I'm not paying taxes anymore. It doesn't work like that. But why do we think that? with the one thing that there's no option B that somehow we have this to say, I'm just tired of fighting for my marriage. I'm just just worn out, I'm just emotionally tired. You know, you don't sell your car because you run out of gas. (laughs) Why are you ending your marriage because you feel like you don't have any love anymore? You gotta put some more love in the tank. And if you'll add love back to the tank, you can be in love once again. In fact, I want to tell you something that may be a little shocking to you, but I really believe that if you don't feel in love, no offense, I don't care, act like you're in love. Whoa, that's wrong. That'd be lying, right? No. You said, well, but that's faking it. No, I didn't ask you to fake it. I asked you to faith it. Say, I'm going to act on like, You know, people say, well, I'm just emotionally drained. I don't have it anymore. I'm just, I just don't love them anymore. But here's the thing. That's emotions, and your emotions will lie to you. They really will. Your emotions will totally lie to you. Just like when a pretty girl walks by that's half your age on the beach, your emotions are lying to you <laughs> right at that moment. You can't listen to your emotions. Your emotions are wrong. See, the truth is, is that e- to emote is to show a feeling. That's emotions. But emotions is based upon a principal word that comes before it called motion. And the best way to change your emotion is to go into motion. So when you don't feel like working out, that's when you should put on your gym shorts and go work out. And halfway through, you'll suddenly say, man, this just feels great to be working out, even though I didn't feel like it on the front end. Now that I'm doing it, it, feels good. When you don't feel like eating a salad and you want to go carve out, right, and have a big tank of bluebell in front of you, just going, this is great, right? How do you feel afterwards? You feel horrible. But if you choose to say, I'm going to eat that salad instead, halfway through the salad, you're going to go, man, I'm so glad I did this. So you got to choose the right motion to get the emotions to then come. Quit trying to think my emotions lead me and then I do whatever I feel like. No, you should actually choose to do the right thing and then your emotions follow what you do. So if you act in love, you'll begin to feel in love again. We get the order wrong to say, well, as soon as I feel like it, then I'll do something for her or him. As soon as I feel like it, I'll act loving. As soon as I feel like it, I'll act passionate. No, you choose it and then the feelings come back. Does that make sense? So you gotta make a decision. Now, I wanna say this real quick too before I go any further. Here's the truth. Some of you right now, when I said you're supposed to be married for life, Some of you feel like I just gave you a prison sentence. Some of you right now are like, you have no idea who I'm married to. You're telling me to stay miserable the rest of my life. No, I'm not. I'm not recommending that at all. In fact, at the end of the sermon, we're going to address that. So just hang tight. If you feel like you're in total misery and you don't know what to do, the very last point of the reset, we're going to get to that. Okay? So do not hear a prison sentence. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am trying to tell you is that if you give yourself an out, you'll take it every time. No one who's been married 50 years, in all truth, can say, I always felt like it. There's no way, 50 years, there's just no way. Sometime along the way, you hit a rough patch and said, man, I don't know. This is tough, this is harder than I thought. I've been pastoring this church for 20 years, and on most days, I like that. But I'm not gonna sit here and tell you after 20 years of pastoring it, every single moment was always great, and I always loved it, there were times when I thought, man, I, I wanna quit. Not very often, but there are a few times. There are a few tough seasons. If you're gonna do anything for a long time, you're gonna have some tough seasons. Why do you think that we say in front of a pastor, we say, what, for better or for worse? For richer or for? Worse. Right, so normally when they say for better, for worse, for richer, for we say yes, no, yes, no. No, that's not what I are supposed to say. <laughs> it's I do, Is I commit to both of those things, right? for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer. And I hope it's for better and it's for richer, but it may not be. Maybe for worse and for poorer. And so we have to stay committed during those times as well. And so it's not a prison sentence. It's a commitment that you can choose to make. So let's get down to the nitty gritty now. Let's get, let's get a little detailed in this. okay? So, so the biggest thing that you got to learn to do, by the way, is quit getting in this negative cycle. Okay? So they do something to offend you, then you say something offensive back to them. Now they're offended at what you said. Now you're offended back at what they say back to you. Can you see how this is going? And so then you pop off to them, they pop off at you, then you pop off back to them, and now you add a cuss word, then you add a cuss word, and now it's like and now I'm not talking about I'm not even talking about Christian marriages. I and mean, let's be honest in the house of God today, can we? It can get ugly, it can get nasty. And so you're popping off to them, they're popping off to you, you're such a jerk, well, you're ugly, and you're terrible, and you're you're an idiot, and you're, I mean, you just, and you get this negative cycle going, right? You're a bad mom, well, you're a horrible dad, you're never here, and you know, you're just like your mother, and you're just, I mean, and you get this negative cycle going, right? So we have to learn to break the cycle. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us, here's the key part, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up. So this says here, though, that what you're sowing, you're going to reap. Let me tell you, what what you sow, you will reap, men, that's true, isn't it? If you sow discord into your wife, remember we talked about last week, she's a multiplier, she's going to multiply more of that and give it right back. If you sow love and encouragement to her, she's going to multiply that and give it right back, right? And so whatever you sow, I sow love towards my wife and affection. She gave me kids. She multiplied it, right? I gave her a home, a house. She turned it into a home. She multiplied it. And so whatever I give her, she'll multiply her. You give your wife a bunch of crap, she's going to give you hell. She's going to multiply it, Right? So that's not what God wants for you. God wants you to multiply the right things. And so this is really important. How do you break this this negative loop? It's real simple. Number two, we've got to first of all go over here. We gotta hit the reset button. Why? Because we're being negative. So we've got to say, no, I'm gonna choose instead to be positive and I'm gonna change my language. I'm gonna change what I say. Right? The Bible says there's life and death in the tongue. Did you know that? Your words matter. And so number two, stop a negative loop with a decision to create a virtuous loop. A virtuous loop is right in the middle of your heated argument and they blast you, you stop and you go, you know what, you are really really pretty. <laughs> oh, I'll show you pretty. Let me talk. <laughs> And then they say something bad to you back and you say, let me tell you something I like about you. Or women use it for your man, and he gets mad and you say, let me tell you. And you, you say, but they're not going to respond right to that. This is going to even make him more mad. But if you keep coming with it, eventually, some, see the natural human response is to respond to what someone does to you. So if you just break the cycle of negativity and say, I'm going to choose to be positive, I'm going to choose to find the good in you, I'm going to choose to catch you doing the right thing instead of the wrong things, I'm going to choose to build you up, then guess what? The natural response to that is they'll build you up. It's just natural. If someone's screaming and yelling at you, don't scream back. Talk calmly, and guess what? Their voice eventually will lower because they just look like a fool to keep screaming at you when you're not even screaming back. And so if we learn this virtuous loop, then we can actually begin to get some positive feelings going towards one another. It really does change everything. Listen, you reap what you sow, but let me tell you another thing, by the way. You reap where you sow. So you don't just re- reap what you sow. You reap where you sow. Where are you sowing? So you may have, you know, an amazing handicap in golf, but you may be screwing up your marriage because you're sowing and giving all your time to something else rather than sowing with your marriage. Or you may be amazing in keeping up with all your girlfriends on Facebook, ladies, but when is the last time you kept up with where you are in your status with your, your marriage, Right? So we need to sow at home, to reap at home. If you want to reap rewards in your home, you got to sow in your home. Does that make sense? So you you reap what you sow, you also reap where you sow. So I want to encourage you to to pour into that relationship. Now let me just stop real quick and talk to singles real quick. Because you may be thinking, well, this isn't really appropriate. We're talking about marriages and when you're really struggling. No, this is exactly when you talk to singles. This is the perfect time to talk to singles. You know why? Because if you ignore the advice I'm going to give next, this will be you. Listen to me very careful, singles. I don't care how much you love them and how crazy you are about them, if you are fighting or if you're having difficulties or if you have any doubt about the relationship, break up. So pastor, it's kind of extreme. You tell me if I have 1% doubt, yes, because when someone tells you they have 1% doubt, they're in denial, it's probably 30%. I've seen it too many times. If you have doubts, end it. He said, Well, that seems really extreme. I'm trying to save you a life of pain. Because I can't tell you how many times, as a pastor, that I have actually wanted to say to a couple in pastoral counseling, I wanted to look at a lady and say, I can't fix the fact that you married an idiot. Please don't ask me to, to suddenly bring God's blessing in hand on something that you shouldn't even be in. God is not required to bless anything he didn't start. And so if you did it all wrong and now you're asking God to bless it, it's very self-defeating. And yes, I know of the occasional stories where it still works out great, but do you want to have to ask God for a miracle? Wouldn't it be better to do it the the right way at the beginning? And so you say, well, I mean, you know, we love each other, we're both Christians, but we've been immoral, but here's the problem with that. If if, If they'll be immoral with you, they'll be immoral without you. See the problem there? Whatever you see in them now that's a problem, you need to deal with it. You know what we do, though? The American way is this. The westernized way of dating is this. We actually kind of close our eyes and and don't really look. We want to squint our eyes and not really see the problem because we so desperately love them and want to marry them that we're in love with being in love and in love with being married that we kind of squint our eyes and pretend like we didn't see that fault, we didn't see that problem, and then we get married and our eyes are wide open and we're like, whoa, this is way worse than I thought. But way worse than I thought means you didn't know about it, you just didn't investigate it. Does that make sense? Did you know that 80% of women who are beat in their marriage were beat before they married them? 80%. They were hit before they walked the aisle. Wow. And we say, that's just ridiculous. Why would you do that? The same reason why you'll ignore another problem in your in, in your relationship because you're so desperate to get married that you'll ignore the problem. And so what we do is we squint our eyes and act like that problem isn't there, then we get married and our eyes are open to how bad things are. When the truth is what we need to do is have our eyes wide open, examine every problem there really is and see if you're really willing to tackle this and fix this. And then when you get married, then squint your eyes. Does that make sense? Then you can learn to overlook faults, but don't overlook faults while you're dating. Look closely at them and say, how bad is this? Examine the faults, then overlook the faults when you're married. And so I wanna challenge you, singles, listen very carefully. If you are not convinced that this relationship is on par with what God wants, get out of it. Because you're wasting their time and you're wasting your time. And if you've got a doubt in your mind, and yet you still look at the one that you love and you say, I love you, baby, I'm all in, but you still have a doubt, you are lying to them. God can't bless that. You may say, I can't believe you're just like breaking up all these couples. My goal is to break up hundreds of couples a days all across South Texas. I feel like I'm going to be successful. (laughs) So that six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, you come to me and you say, thank you, Pastor Bill, because you helped me avert my worst nightmare. And I could take you to endless amounts of single moms and single dads that wish they would have listened to what I'm saying right now 10 years ago. Are you hearing me loud and clear, singles? I'm trying to help you. I'm firing off flare guns right now. Please listen, please listen. Protect yourself from the wrong person. God has big plans for you. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. just may not be the right person for you. I didn't say they're bad or evil. It just means that God's probably not in that. So we have to be willing to take a hard look and really examine to make sure this is really from God. Hey, by the way, next week I'm talking about a new series we're doing called March Through Madness. I'm really excited about this new series. It's a whole uh, theme around the NCAA tournament. It's going to be a lot of fun. In fact, next week, everyone that comes, the first 10,000 people to come to church next week get a free t-shirt. Uh, everyone that comes is going to be really, really cool. And so you're not going to want to miss this. We're doing a big three-on-three tournament. And the winner of the tournament, by the way, gets free tickets to the national title, the, the game, the, the final four title game. And so you get free tickets that's that. It's going to be amazing. We've already got a lot of people signing up for that. We're going to have a blast. You don't want to miss this series. In fact, we're going to be giving you some invite cards. we want to challenge you to invite someone to come to church with you next week. They may not be into God, but they're into basketball. They're going to love this series. And so I encourage you to bring your friends, bring your family. It's going to be a lot of fun. I had no idea, by the way, a month ago when we subtitled this, How to Survive in Advance in a World Gone Crazy, that we'd be dealing with what we're dealing with right now. Had no idea that when I said how to survive that we literally have kids scared to go to school now. I mean, it's crazy what's going on in our world today. And by the way, I just wanna mention this real quick, and this may be a little controversial. I'm not really trying to be controversial, but I do wanna share something with you. And I I, I mean, I, I step in it all the time anyway, so I might as well. But let me just let you know something right now. At Church Unlimited, all of our campuses, we have a plan in place that no one knows about but us. If someone were to try something here, they would be taken down in under a minute. I just want you to know that. So, I mean, I don't know where you are on the gun spectrum. I don't even to get into that, but I just want to tell you something. We have them and we have them in the services. We have officers, we have FBI, CIA, Border Patrol, police officers, veterans, all conceal and carry right now. And so listen, I have no problem telling you right now that this is one of the safest places to be in South Texas is in church on Sunday at Church Unlimited. And if you're one of these people that are crazy in the head and you got a plan for this church, I want to tell you right now, one way or the other, we're going to help you meet Jesus. there it is. All right. That's how we roll. So, one evening, a guy uh, was at his office party, and they were having a big office party, and his, his, everyone's getting pretty drunk, you know, and he was there without his wife for some reason, and his secretary got really plastered, and so he, she asked him to take her home, and so he agreed to do this, which is very foolish, and so he, nothing happened, but he still drove her home because uh, she shouldn't be driving the car. But it's still, he, he decided after he dropped her off, he's like, I think I just mm, won't tell my wife. So he decided not to tell her. Again, very foolish, shouldn't have done it anyways. Nothing happened, but still, it shouldn't, it's just foolish to even do it. He dropped her off at her house and he went home that night. You know, how was the party? Oh, it was fine. You know, didn't, didn't mention anything about... Dropping the secretary off, you know, that kind of thing. So the next day, they were going on a date. Him and his wife were going on a date. We're going to go to the movies. So they're driving to the movie theater, and he's feeling all this guilt, realizing he's holding something from her, right? But as they're driving to the movie theaters, he, uh, theater, he looks down, and he sees a stiletto underneath the seat. He's like, oh, no, you got to be kidding me. So he immediately slowly rolls down this window. His wife doesn't notice, and he says, hey, honey, check it out. And he points at something, and as soon as she looks, he grabs the stiletto and throws it out the window. So they pull up to the movie theater. They're all getting out. And, you know, he's kind of waiting on his wife. He's like, what's the deal? And she hops out. and She's like, honey, have you seen my shoe? I don't know what happened. (laughs) One of the keys to all this is honesty. We have to learn to be honest with one another. Wow, we can get ourselves in trouble, can't we? So stop that negative loop, start a virtuous loop, and and now I want to deal with one of the toughest things going here, okay? This is a big deal, but I'm going to show you a verse. This is the key, and this is the ultimate reset, and I hope it doesn't get this bad, but if it does, this is how you do the ultimate reset in your marriage. It's actually really simple. It's not complicated at all. Matthew 18. Many of you know the verse. This is what it says in Matthew 18. It says, if a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If you won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. What does that mean? Go see a counselor. Get a third party involved, right? Go find a, a, a strong Christian couple that, are, that, are, that have a good marriage and say, can, can you guys talk with us, right? Go find a pastor to talk to, someone to talk with. Then it says, if you still won't listen, tell the church. If you won't listen to the church, that just means authority. If you don't listen to the church, you'll you'll have to start over from scratch, confront him with the need for repentance, and offer, again, God's forgiving love. Now, another translation says, if you tell the church and you still won't listen, then treat him like an unbeliever. Many people have believed that that means you can treat them badly, but nowhere does it say in the Bible to treat unbelievers badly. So at no point in time are we allowed to treat someone badly just because they're not listening to us. So if you have a spouse and you feel like you're in prison... Because what we said earlier in point one about you're supposed to be married to, for life, you're thinking this is a life sentence. Then. I'm married to a jerk. I'm married to an addict. I'm married to someone who's half crazy or verbally, or, dare I say, physically abusive. Now, if they're physically abusive, I believe you should separate immediately. Bible is very clear on this. In fact, David, whenever Saul physically assaulted and threatened him, David ran out, ran out, uh, and got away from him. Why? Because God said to you, get away from him. So I believe it's never God's will for you to be beat, to be hit to be in any kind of abuse. In fact, if that's you, please find one of our pastors today and before the day is up, we will help you get separated to protect you and your kids. I have no problem telling it. We've done it many times. But I will also tell you that, yeah, I have no problem. I get threatening letters. I'm like, bring it on because I'm not scared of them. We're going to do the right thing to protect you, okay? But let me just tell you this other thing, okay? This is a big deal. Maybe you say, well, that's not going on, but I'm in real misery. It's horrible. This Bible verse teaches something that's really simple, Okay? If I'm playing Monopoly and I lay out the Monopoly board and I'm playing with someone who keeps cheating on the Monopoly board, but I really want to play Monopoly, I want want to keep the game going, right? Then what do I do? The first time they cheat, I call them, hey, hey, well, you just cheated. That wasn't right. You know that wasn't right. And so then they say, oh, I'm really, really sorry. And you play again. But now when you're playing, when they cheat again, guess what you do now? You go, you close up, you close up the board. Boom. We're not playing until you want to quit cheating. I'm not going to let you do this. Okay? What does that mean? Notice I, I didn't raise my voice. I didn't say you son of a blank. I didn't do nothing like that. I didn't start cussing. I didn't get angry. I didn't. I didn't pop off. I just said, "We're not doing this." So this means a, a lady is at home and she's making dinner once again for her verbally abusive, difficult husband. And he again goes off. This time, you turn off the burners and you let dinner sit. And he goes, "What's going on?" You go, "I'm not cooking for you. Why? I'm not going to treat you like this any longer. I am a child of the living God who says I'm worth more than this, and you're not going to talk to me like that anymore." Does that make sense? So that means divorce, right? No, it doesn't mean divorce. It means I'm going to confront you and you need to change. If you won't change, the next time you do it again, I'm going to confront you again. And then then the third time you do it, I'm going to confront you again. See, eventually this person's used to getting away with it with you. And all of a sudden when they're not getting away with it, now they have a decision to make. They're either going to have to change or they're probably going to leave you one way or the other. And see, this is, but when I say it, and some of you right now are like, well, that's why I can't do it. And this is where I get to put my pastoral counselor hat on real quick and tell you, then that means that The reason you haven't dealt with this is because you already know what's going to happen. Which means you know they're not committed anyways. So actually the denial is not on their side. The denial is on on your side. And I'm sorry to have to tell you that. But it means you, you may be married and in their mind they're just there for a good time. So this may be painful. But either way you will get a reset. It's just that it may not be the way you wanted it. I know of a young lady that had to deal with this. She had to confront her husband. He was struggling with addiction, but he was in denial about it. And she confronted him, and she confronted him. Eventually, he got tired of it. He began to treat her poorly. He began to make all kinds of decisions that were very poor and didn't ask her opinion on them, all financial purchases. She just said, he just would say, you're my wife. You just have to do what I say. And she began to confront him and confront him and confront him. And one day she found out that he was staying with some other woman now. She was humiliated. She was hurt. And what I told her, I'll tell you, when she said, Where was God in all this? I thought God was going to protect me. I thought God was going to help me. And I smiled and I said, I think God just did. I think God just did help you. And I will tell you, now that young lady, she went through a divorce. She had reason. But I'm going to tell you something. She's stuck with the Lord, and now she's married to an amazing, godly man, and they've got three beautiful children. You've got to trust the Lord. So the answer is not, I'm stuck with this person. No, if you do Matthew 18, they're stuck with you until they change. Does that make sense? That's the answer. Number three, deal with your issues face-to-face until solved, and you don't back off of it until it is solved because you're wasting time sitting there in pain and sulking. And I don't mean to be ugly, but you can cry yourself, you know, a river of tears every night for the next year if you'd like to, but you've been doing that for the last year, how'd that that work out? It's not gonna get you the results you want. You've gotta be willing to confront. I happen to be married to a very strong woman who would definitely confront me and has when I've been a jerk. And it was very good for me, and I said, baby, I'm sorry, I was wrong. We have a culture in our home that we're willing to confront. We're not perfect, but that has really kept our marriage strong. If I'm offended, I'll say, that offended me. she's offended, she's, that really bothered me. And we talk it out. We work it out. And then, we're, and then that's how we stay strong and, and that's how God has blessed us. You may say, Pastor, I'm so beyond that. I literally can't stand them. Well, the Bible says to love and pray for your enemies. Start there. And start building from there. I don't know where you're on this spectrum, but I hope if you're single, this is scaring you a bit to think twice about who you're with and make sure this is really a God thing. And by the way, you can be a week away from your wedding and still end it. And I recommend it if you have a doubt. I know people who later on in divorce proceedings admitted to me and admitted to other people and said, honestly, the day of my wedding, walking down the aisle, I still had doubts. Why did you do it then? Well, there's all these people and it'd be embarrassing. It's easier to return gifts and say I'm really sorry than to go through a divorce. Spare yourself the time. But if you're already married, God let a covenant relationship happen and therefore you say, God, we're going to make this work. We're going to make it stronger, make it great. God doesn't want you to be miserable. He wants you to be happy and thriving in a godly marriage. That's the goal. And I believe if you'll just hit the reset button on some of these things, you can begin to see that happen in your life. Would you take a moment right now and bow your heads across all of our campuses? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you just reach over right now and hold the hand of your spouse right now? Would you do that real quick and just say, God, thank you for this word that I've been given and just thank you for this hunk of beauty sitting next to me. Thank you for this good-looking guy, this this beautiful girl that I, I get to spend my life with. Just thank God for him and just stay committed. Or maybe today, honestly, you just gotta squeeze your hand and say, we're gonna hit the reset button right now. Just like I'm squeezing this button, would you just squeeze your hand right now and say, let's hit the reset button, baby. Let's get a fresh start right now. Would you do that? Say, we're gonna faith it. We're going to faith it. We're going to turn this thing around. I believe God will bless that. If you're single today, your prayer can be, God, I'm willing to no longer live in denial about who I date. I want to honor God from day one to have your blessing in my relationships. And maybe today you need to go break up with someone. Maybe not. Maybe you need to go have a hard talk and say, where are you at? Because where we're going isn't right. And I want God's blessing. Get God's blessing on your relationship. And if it's not there and you start fresh. Wherever you are in the spectrum in your relationships, God has a great plan for you. The Bible is very clear. He plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He plans to give you a future and a hope. That's what he says in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. He wants you to be blessed. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. Did you know that? It says, husbands, love your wife. This is what it says in the Bible. Just as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? Christ died for the church he died for the church and the church is called the bride of christ that's what we are and so the greatest love story of all time was that jesus died on the cross for your sin and for mine to make all things new if your head bowed and your eyes closed he wants to make you new right now you can pray a simple prayer and you can receive christ by praying a simple prayer this changes your life completely because jesus comes in your heart forgives you of your sins gives you a fresh start And reserves a place for you in heaven. Not based upon you being good or bad. It's because he already walked through that bull. He said, no, this is a covenant. I commit to you. No matter what you do after this, you're in heaven because of what I've done for you at the cross. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, pray this prayer with me. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize you died for me. I believe you died. And I believe you rose again. You paid the price for my sin. And I ask you to come into my heart be my lord, be my savior. I repent of my sins. I put you as my one. Thank you Jesus for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.